Gospel reading for this morning comes from John's Gospel, beginning in the 10th chapter at the 11th verse. John wrote these things, Jesus speaking. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd puts the sheep before himself, sacrifices himself if necessary. A hired man is not a real shepherd. The sheep mean nothing to him. He sees a wolf come and runs for it, leaving the sheep to be ravaged and scattered by the wolf. He's only in it for the money. The sheep don't matter to him. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and my own sheep know me. In the same way the Father knows me and I know the Father, I put the sheep before myself, sacrificing myself if necessary. You need to know that I have other sheep in addition to those in this pen. I need to gather and bring them too, and they'll also recognize my voice. Then it will be one flock, one shepherd, and this is why the Father loves me, because I freely lay down my life. And so I am free to take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own free will. I have the right to lay it down. I also have the right to take it up again. I receive this authority personally from my Father. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Oh God, your changes touch our lives with mystery and with hope. And we come to this place today ready to see your power working through us. So help us to be open to your word and to answer your call among us. Through Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Now once upon a time, there was a sheep named Larry who was born into a comfortable sheep family and who had always been treated well by the shepherd and the other sheep. As Larry grew, however, he became aware of deep flaws with the whole sheep-shepherd way of doing things. Why does the shepherd get to do all of the leading? When have we ever been consulted about where to go or what to do? I'm sick of being herded around by a guy with a stick, just eating and wandering and waiting to be clipped. Well, no more. No longer would Larry the sheep listen to the commands of the shepherd or anybody for that matter. No longer would he listen to anybody who dared call him a sheep. No longer would he be just one of the woolly, easy-going flock. That very night, Larry decided that he was no longer going to be a sheep. From now on, he would be Larry the tiger. <laughs> he would become a sleek, solitary hunter, death on four well-muscled legs, wrapped in sleek, striped fur. Larry stood up, held his head high, and as quietly as he imagined a tiger would, he crept away from the flock. As Larry pursued his destiny, striding with feline grace across a meadow, he began to feel a bit hungry. 
And he looked around at all the tender green grass that surrounded him, but it only made him want to laugh. Grass, he thought to himself. I can't believe anybody really eats that stuff. No grass for him, thank you. He knew what he wanted. A zebra. In the next few days, he didn't do anything to dampen Larry's passion for being a predator, but they probably should have. Because you see, he spent two whole days trying to climb a tree so that he could practice pouncing on things. But after all of his struggles, he couldn't even make it to the first limb. All of his efforts, they made him quite hungry. And he looked with disgust at grass-covered hillside, but then, after checking to make sure nobody was looking, he ate a whole bunch. And still, he assured himself it was just to keep his energy up through this transition period. After weeks of practicing his hunting skills on imaginary prey and getting no better at any of them, he suddenly had a revelation. Tiger is as Tiger does. He was going about this business all wrong. If you want to be a tiger, be a tiger. Don't practice it, just do it. So he did. Larry found a little bluff overlooking a small road and he waited. He had discovered no zebras since he became a tiger, but twice daily, a farmer and his mule passed by on their way to work in the fields. That would do for starters. Soon the farmer and the mule happened along and Larry launched himself off the bluff and landed on the mule's back. And the mule threw Larry off and he was momentarily stunned when he hit the ground. And the terrified mule began kicking and bucking so fiercely that the wagon detached from him and began to roll down the hill, but not before the farmer's gun went off and killed the mule stone cold dead. When Larry came to, he saw before him the reward for all of his struggle. His kill laid before him hundreds of pounds of rich red meat, just waiting for him to sink his teeth into it. So Larry went up and he began to feast, and it was disappointing. He looked where he had bitten and he found out why. His teeth had just scraped away some of the hair from the mule's skin. He hadn't bitten out a big, satisfying chunk of meat. He'd just given a few square inches of the dead mule a shave. So he continued to try and eat the mule, but to no avail. And as he tried it, the farmer who had leapt from the runaway wagon came back with a piece of rope, put it around Larry's neck, and dragged him back to the shepherd. And there really were no hard feelings. The farmer figured that Larry was a lost sheep and the poor little guy must have fallen from the bluff. The idea of a sheep deliberately attacking the farmer and his mule was so ridiculous that it never even entered his mind. And so Larry returned to the flock. So what have we learned? I think it is frustrating and annoying to be one of the flock sometimes. The flock doesn't always do what we want it to do. And it doesn't always listen when we complain. But when we get attuned to the bleeding of the sheep rather than the voice of the shepherd, things tend to get messed up for us. I think we expect Jesus to say that the sheep follow him because they know him, but he in instead he says that they follow him because he knows them. 
We long to be known, to be understood at the deepest of levels. It is true in all of our relationships. Yet the more we risk being known, the greater the intimacy and the greater the vulnerability as well. Profound intimacy speaks profound love. The greatest love requires the greatest risk. We've learned that it's always possible to throw off the burden of the flock and to strike out on our own, abiding by any rules that we choose, making up our own rules as we go, or having no rules at all. Folks, there are plenty of things in life that are worth leaving behind. There are plenty of rules in life that are worth changing or disobeying or ignoring. But Larry learned, and maybe we should take a hint, that when we start looking for new ways of doing things, we need to be prepared for the consequences of leaving behind the old life. And in the end, even if we get exactly what we've been looking for, it might not be good for us or even very enjoyable. Jesus told his detractors, you don't believe because you're not my sheep. And my guess is that they probably didn't have any problem with that. After all, who wants to be a sheep? But Jesus went on. My sheep recognize my voice. I know them. And they follow me. Sure, nobody wants to be a sheep just to be one of the flock. Still, the fact remains that the sheep are with the shepherd. And the shepherd is with the sheep. And when we get separated, things can get weird very quickly. He erects no fences. He simply trusts the process. But every sheep knows the master who feeds it, gives it life, protection, and who loves it. Eternal life means eternal protection. And sheep are as safe as safe can be, and permanently so. They only need to stay close to the shepherd, listen for his voice, and follow him into the very presence of God. Amen.